Let's say a prayer together before we look at the scripture this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're so grateful to be in your presence. We know that whenever we're gathered together, you are with us. And so we say thank you for being with us this morning in this school where we continue to pray that your peace, that your shalom, that your love, that your spirit would rest here, that you would um, speak to the students and the teachers and the administrators who are here day in and day out. God, that you um, would bring your good news to this school and to keep showing us as a church what role we have to play in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, tell me what this image on the screen makes you feel. Shout it out. Tell me how you feel. Bethel University. That's not, is that a feeling? Huh? Irritated? What else? Annoyed? Impatient? Entitled? How many of you are going to freak out if it stays up there for much longer? <laughs> better take it down, better take it down. I think this symbol of the loading that's happening all the time in our lives represents pretty well a trend in this world that we're, we're all living in, whether that's showing up on your phone, computer, whatever you're trying to do. It feels like we have less and less tolerance for waiting. Yes? Our, our patience for waiting in any form is, is getting less and less. So whether you're standing in line for your half-calf cappuccino in the morning, whatever, um, or you're sitting in traffic trying to get somewhere, people are having emotional responses, severe emotional responses when they're forced to wait longer than they want to wait. Is anyone else noticing this? I don't just mean they're mildly annoyed. I mean, some people are coming unglued because they can't stand it. They're like shaking mad that they, have to, that they have to wait for some reason. And waiting is basically becoming one of the worst things that can happen to you. Even among my children, they like, if, the, if they're trying to watch a show on the TV and there's a commercial, and my, my, my five and six-year-olds are like, we have to wait for the commercial to be over to keep watching the show? I go, yeah, that's how they make money. How do you think all this stuff shows up on the TV? You're five, you should have figured out the economic engine <laughs> of television by now. Come on, let's go. But many of you know that waiting is one of the experiences that God uses to shape us most, right? That God asks us to wait in our lives and there's a lot of formation and learning that happens when we wait. So as we're talking this morning, I want you to think of an experience in your life, could be a long time ago, could be one you're in right now, where you felt like God was asking you to wait, or you were waiting for God to do something, direct you, give you an answer, provide you with something you don't have that you need. What was it like, or what is it like, to wait? And I know, because I know some of your stories, I know that a lot of you have been waiting on a lot of different things. And for some of you, it's been very, very hard. And some of you are still waiting for things that you were wanting God to respond to you on. And for others of you, 
you can testify and give stories about how you waited for some significant period of time sometimes, and then on the other side of that, you can see why the waiting was so important, right? So have one of those experiences in your mind as we read this story. I want to show you this morning how waiting shaped the first days after Easter, after the first Easter, after Jesus was risen and taken up into heaven. I want to show you how waiting played an essential role in the formation of the church in the first days after Jesus was taken up. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Uh, Before I do that, so if you don't know this, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts, written by the same person, and uh, even though John's in between them in your Bible, it's really great to take the book of Luke, read the last couple chapters of Luke, and then read the first couple chapters of Acts, because it's kind of like volume one and volume two. They're, they're meant to go together in your Bible. So you'll hear in this first part of Acts a, a direct connection to the text that we were talking about last week at the end of Luke. So he's, he's continuing his story from the book of Luke when he starts this book that's called Acts. Here's how it goes. In my former book, Theophilus, Theophilus is a a word, a name, that means uh, someone who loves God. Literally, that's what the name means. So in my former book, Someone Who Loves God, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just leave that last part of the text up there for me for a little bit. So the first thing that Jesus tells these early apostles, disciples to do as he's leaving is to wait. He's given them other instructions and other parts, you know, we have from other gospels. He says, You know, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter 28. But he's making it clear as he's leaving, before you go out and launch onto any new endeavors, the first thing you have to do, the first thing you have to do is go back to Jerusalem and wait. And I want to tell you how how theologically and biblically important this little waiting period is, okay? Okay. Very, very important. Very important to the life of Mill City Church and very important to the way that we are trying to follow Jesus in the 21st century. It's important because if there isn't this waiting period, the waiting period is intended to help these disciples prepare and then receive God's leadership in their life in a different form than they've been used to. They need to wait for the Holy Spirit to be given to them in a way that the Holy Spirit has not been given to them yet. And so if you trace this all the way through the Old Testament, from the very first chapter of the Bible, where it shows us that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the creation of the earth as everything is being formed, 
to the moments in the Old Testament where it says the, Ho the Holy Spirit is given specifically to prophets or kings or particular judges or leaders for moments, for periods, sometimes for their lifetime. But never in the story has it been true that the Holy Spirit has just been given to anyone who would receive it. And so in this book of Acts, we learn that the prophet Joel, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, said at some point when the Messiah comes, then God's Spirit will just be poured out on everybody who worships God and follows Jesus. So we're coming to this moment, and Jesus knows that the moment is coming, and he says, listen, before you go off and craft a bunch of ministry plans, the very first thing you have to do is wait. Because if you don't wait and you don't receive the gift that the Father wants to give you, you will be operating on your own ideas and your own wisdom and your own expertise. And that will take you to places you don't want to go and the places that God doesn't want you to go. So here's why this is such an important waiting period. It is very easy in life to get off down on roads that you thought were a good idea or people around you thought were a good idea but when you're honest, you realize, I never actually asked God if this is what God wanted. At Mill City Church, every once in a while, we talk about the danger of living as functional atheists or functional agnostics, where we can come to church and we can even say that we're trying to follow Jesus with our lives. But if we're not involving discernment and prayer and questions about what it is that God actually wants us to do on a day-to-day -day basis, then what is the point of saying that we follow a God that's alive and present? We're living our lives just like everybody else is, except we have this one hour that's different. And so Jesus knows that if these guys just launched off on their own and started to try to do what Jesus had told them to do, go and make disciples of all nations, without the presence and leadership of the Holy Spirit, they would screw it up. And many, many times in church history, people have done things in Jesus' name, in the name of God, that had nothing to do with what God wanted to happen because they never paused to actually listen and humbly receive what God wanted them to have. Many of the tragedies in many of our lives of Christian people who have misrepresented God, I believe, comes from this root cause of not really waiting on the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you see why that's so important? Now, many of us want to skip these waiting periods or any other waiting periods in our lives, whether it's the loading circle or something else, because waiting is really hard. I hate waiting. Does anyone else? I particularly hate waiting when it really matters when it's really about what you're going to do with your life or what's happening with your children or your relationships, when it feels like you really do need something to happen, that's when it's the hardest to wait, I think. Waiting is hard because you don't have control most of the time over what you're waiting for. It implies that you're dependent on something outside yourself, God or someone else, to come and give you something you need in order for you to be able to move forward. Many of us are waiting for direction, we're waiting for guidance, we're waiting for our circumstances to change, we're waiting for clarity, we're hoping for relief from some illness we're suffering for, we're waiting for kids, for relationships, endless waiting, right? 
Some of you in this church have waited so well. I could tell stories for the rest of my time today about many of you who have struggled and sat with your waiting and allowed God to work things out the way God wanted to, even though it was really hard for you to do. And I'm really proud that you have done that. So Jesus tells these disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit because there's this danger that if they don't, they'll be doing all sorts of things that God doesn't intend for them to do. And as they're waiting, they're doing things that they know how to do. So I don't want you to leave this morning thinking that waiting is just sitting in your room hoping for something to happen miraculously. They do things while they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. They go to the temple and pray every day publicly instead of hiding in a room like they were doing before they saw Jesus. They replace the guy who betrayed Jesus with some weird uh, decision-making process that involves some lots, and they picked a guy, and it was real strange, and you never hear from the guy again. But they tried. They were gathering together and worshiping God, so they were, they were actively waiting. They weren't passively waiting. That's important to note. And as they're waiting, then all of a sudden, they receive what Jesus had promised to them. And here's what that sounds like in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Pause for a second. I'm about to read a whole bunch of really crazy sounding names. And uh, I don't actually know how to pronounce them. So if you've ever read the Bible and come across some names and you had no idea, let me let you in on a little secret. The key is to pronounce them with lots of confidence. And then everyone who's in your group at the moment will be like, that, that's amazing. They must have really studied. They know how to pronounce. So I'm going to test it out. You see how I do, okay? How is it that each of them hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites. Re I can't do it without laughing now. <laughs> Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. You know those parts. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. How about a round of applause? See? Not bad. You can do it too. I promise you, you can do it too. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues or our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, you're drunk. You had too much wine. God's spirit is poured out on these disciples. This is what Jesus was telling them to wait for. 
And the waiting results in them having received the Holy Spirit and immediately being given this ability. This is how I want to make a connection to what we've been saying in terms of having conversations with our neighbors about gospel things. They receive the Holy Spirit. They've been waiting well. They receive it. And immediately the Holy Spirit gives them ability to speak in languages that they don't know so that all the people who are gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover can understand what they're saying. This isn't just everybody's talking in random lo- uh, languages to, to make it sound like this is amazing. It's very specific. It's they're speaking in these languages so the folks who are gathered can understand the wonders of the things that they're saying about God. So the very first thing that happens after the Holy Spirit is given to these people is that they're able to share the gospel with their neighbors. That they're able to say things in simple terms, in languages that other people can understand. This is what we've been talking about in 21st century. How does the Holy Spirit help us to have real conversations with our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members about w- the ways in which we are experiencing the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives that make sense, that don't sound like we've all been trained in some weird class and we're just trying to convince them of something that they don't know, that we can just have authentic and honest conversations with neighbors and friends about why faith in Jesus Christ is important and it's affecting us and it's changing us. That's what the Holy Spirit gives them the ability to do. They're not trained. They didn't go to any classes. They can't speak in these languages. They barely understand why Jesus came back from the dead at this point. And yet the first thing that God's Spirit empowers them to do in Jerusalem, he chooses the time when all these people would have been gathered in Jerusalem for this important festival of weeks, the Pentecost, and then immediately gives them the ability to connect with all those neighbors. Isn't that amazing? And then we can trust that the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives gives us the ability to connect with people in ways that we really have no ability to do. And so all of us who have some anxiety and fear, myself included, about knowing what to say and how to say it and how to engage people, uh, if we can let down, let go of some of those fears and say, well, part of it is just the Holy Spirit will have to do it through me because I don't know how to do it. And when we open ourselves up to that possibility, God's Spirit is able to do things that we would never be able to do on our own. Just this week, I was reading on, uh, on the Facebook some conversation by one of my neighbors who um, was asking questions about how to use his band to get out a message about his concerns about how things are going in the country. And he was trying to say, if I put this on my drum set, uh, what would happen? Are people going to get mad at me? Are people, you know? And at the end of this really long Facebook dialogue of people going back and forth, he says, maybe what I should do is just put my, uh, a little sheet with those little tear-off things with my phone number and say, I have concerns. If you want to talk to me about them, pull the slip off and call me, which is kind of a cool idea, right? But g- can you guess how I saw that when I was reading it? Oh my gosh, one of my neighbors is reaching out into the Facebook world to say, if you want to talk to me about things that really matter to me, call me. Does anyone else think that's an invitation? So I have no idea how it's going to play out. I'll give you a report back, but I'm going to call him this week and be like, hey, I don't really do Facebook that well, but if I went to the show, I'd pull the thing off. Let's go for a walk. 
and see what happens. Those are the kinds of opportunities that I think God wants to put in our lives when we're paying attention because the Holy Spirit working through us give us those opportunities. Let me invite the band to come back up because I'm almost done. So I want to talk to you just briefly about how we can redeem the waiting times in our lives this next week, okay, real practically. Uh, When you see the loading sign this week, I want you to see the loading sign as a spiritual invitation from God, all right? little experiment. You get a few seconds, and when you see the loading sign, it means you're supposed to pray that God would make you more aware of what God's doing right around you. Okay? When you're waiting for coffee, and it takes a few minutes, say a prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, help me to see what you see in the people that are right around me. When you're stuck in traffic, instead of using your fingers to communicate with the people who are driving around you, consider saying, Holy Spirit, will you bless all the people that are represented in all the lives in this crazy bunch of cars that are going down this road? Use the annoying waiting times as a prompt this week. Does that make sense? Use the annoying waiting times to say breath prayers, short prayers that just simply say, God, help me to know that you are here, that you're present in me, and that you want to connect me with good news to the people around me. We're going to sing this song right now called Fall Afresh. And one of the prayers that I regularly pray when I'm here with all of you is a simple prayer that says, Holy Spirit, will you please fall on us? And I do that just because it seems like uh, when Jesus is saying, I will send the Holy Spirit, it's going to be coming from above. It maybe isn't really, but just go with it. That this song is even like fall afresh on us, that, that we need a fresh experience of God's Spirit to be sent into the world that you all represent, that every person in here is going out into when they leave here today. So we wanted to give you an experience of singing this song as a prayer and to take three or four minutes and simply say, Holy Spirit, as Mill City Church, we want you to fall on us. We want you to live among us. We want you to point us out, to see those places in our lives where maybe we haven't necessarily asked for your leadership and your guidance because we want to be led by you. We want to treat Jesus as the actual leader of this church, not just the symbolic leader of this church, by listening to what God wants to say to us. So that's what this song is about. Let me pray, and then we'll sing together. Holy Spirit, we are a church that is desperately in need of your love and your guidance and your hope. We live in a world that desperately needs your love and your guidance and your hope. God, every single one of us in this room has at times lived without inviting you to influence us and to lead us. We repent of that today. We want to be people who follow you in your leadership. We pray that you would build Mill City's reputation based on our ability to really see what you are doing and to hear what you're saying to us and having the courage to step into those things. In this moment, God, we come before you humbly, knowing what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. We prayerfully ask you to fall on us, to allow us to experience your spirit as we worship you and we sing to you 
because we desperately need to be filled with your love and your grace and your mercy. So hear our worship as a prayer and a request for a stronger sense of your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
blessing before we sing our last song. Psalm 130 says, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear our voice. Let your ears be attentive to our cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits and in his word i put my hope i wait for the lord more than watchmen wait for the morning more than watchmen wait for the morning may the lord help you to redeem those waiting spaces in your life this week and be reminded that god is always present with you and always reaching out to the people around you to show them his love and compassion and mercy